Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Everyone good? Zach, I'm stealing your stand. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. Um, glad to see everyone here this morning. Cold, rainy day. You made it. Good job. Uh, my name is Jake Mudgerson. I'm the pastoral intern here at The Transit. And uh, we're going to continue our study through Ephesians uh, 2. We're in verses 19 through 22. Uh, we, if you're new here, have been going through the book of Ephesians for a couple months now as a church, and on this pace, we'll probably be done in about three years, So, which is great because the slow pace of everything has been beautiful. It has blessed me, and I hope it has blessed you as well. Uh, you can turn there in your Bibles now, uh, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. I'll be reading from uh, ESV, and as you're turning there, do a real recap of what has been taught the last couple of weeks. Nick is uh, just given us the, a beautiful message of the gospel, uh, our free gift of salvation. And everyone remember that Build-A-Bear story? I think it was two weeks ago. My goodness. Apparently, Build-A-Bear mirrors the gospel, like, perfectly. And if you missed it, Nick was just explaining the gift of, of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and that we don't pay anything for it, yet uh, there has been a cost that has been paid through Jesus hanging on the cross for our sins. And uh, he took his kids to build a bear and they pick out this little dead bear, basically fill it with life, give it a new heart, clean it, cleanse, purify it, name it, do all that stuff. And it was uh, beautiful. But I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to cry over build a bear again. <laughs> I will not do it again. And then last week, Nick spoke on, I believe, verses 11 through 18 of chapter 2 and was talking about unity and our stories of where we have come from, that we all have messy backgrounds. You've maybe heard a little bit of my testimony where I was and then the Lord found me. Um, and, and there's no different levels. We all are under the same level and uh, benefits of the gospel and our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're, we all have that. There are no different levels of anything. There's unity in that. And the line was, it's not where you've been, it's who got you in. And that's Jesus, praise the Lord. And we're going to answer a couple questions as we read through the text. Very basic, very basic questions. That's what you're going to get this morning from me. Three questions, the what, how, and why as we go through the text. First question, what is our citizenship Second question, how is the household built? And then the third is the why. Why is the household built? We'll read the text. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In him the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your love. We thank you for your guiding hand that we once were strangers, yet you sought us out, Lord, and we are now members in, in your house. We thank you for your uh, unending love and mercy upon us. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come this morning and move. You would touch hearts, Lord. You would change my heart, Lord, where you want to change my heart, Lord. But I just pray, Father, that Jesus would be magnified, that all of our eyes would be on Jesus and what he has done. And, uh, Lord, you would restore the joy of our salvation this morning and what you have done on the cross for us. That we wouldn't take our salvation lightly. We would know that, yes, it's free for us, but a cost was paid through Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. 
for who you are and what you've done. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We have a lot of scripture to go through this morning, so get ready. We, we're going to move at a fast pace, but slowly through it. That doesn't even make sense, but we're going we're gonna to do it. So, RJ, you ready? Flex that uh, finger, stretch it out. You're going to be flipping through real quick. <clears throat> With the text in verse 19, we see the so then. And if you remember from past uh, passages that Nick has walked us through, that, that's a transition point. The so then sticks out, right? So we see the so then, and what that means is Paul is just building off of what was preached, uh, what he wrote 11 through 18. And that is the uh, gift of our salvation and being made uh, one in Christ Jesus through our faith in him. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. So Paul is just reminding, he's hammering home, hey, this was your position. This is where you were. He's looking back of, you were strangers and aliens. And you could think of the, the wording of that of, what does it mean to be a stranger? It means to be unknown. No one knows you. An alien, not from this land. You have no rights. You have no citizenship. So you once were unknown. You had no rights. You'd imagine walking through a land like that. It's kind of an uncertain, helpless feeling that you're walking around in. There's no confidence you can walk in. There's no confidence you can walk in, and that is what Paul is drawing on of remember when you had nothing. Remember when you were lost and broken. And we look at the other end of verse 19. But you are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Paul is saying you're no longer strangers or foreigners because you now have the premium membership package in the household of God. Hallelujah. And I'm sure some of the people were thinking, Hey, Netflix, I can't share my password anymore. I'm now paying for Netflix. I can't really afford any membership right now. Uh, the fish haven't been biting. I can't pay for that. I would like to hear what it offers, though. What, what is the, the membership package in the household of God? And Paul is just through this text saying, Hey, you were once strangers, unknown, but now known. You were once lost, but now you're found. You were once in darkness, but now you're in light. You were once an orphan, but now you have a safe haven and refuge that you can be in. You were an orphan, and now you have a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, a loving Father in heaven who loves you. That is your position in the household of God. And we all get the same membership, and it's free for us. Is that not beautiful? Years ago, I was a member at a gym. It was like $9 a month, not Planet Fitness, but a different gym. Uh, I just want to make sure that's abundantly clear. Uh, I love Planet Fitness. But um, this was the kind of gym where if it rains, there are like buckets around catching water. You know, I'm like, I actually really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. It was great. And, uh, but there was one room in this gym that if this gym made any money, which I don't think they were, but if they made any money, it was all going to that room. They had a turf field, they had sleds, they had all sorts of cool exercise equipment, and I could just sit there, like on the bench, just trying to stay dry, looking, of like, that looks awesome, but I can't go over there. And the beautiful thing is, we all get access to that room. We all get access to Jesus. We don't have to pay extra. The, the $9 a month didn't get me in that room. We don't have to pay a thing to get into that room, into the presence of God. It's free. The cost was paid through Jesus dying on the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I know I've just scratched the surface with some of the benefits of being a member of the household of God, but we've got to move on to point number two, how the house is built. We're going to answer the how. How the house is built. Look at verses 20 through 21. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, you may ask a simple question if you don't know it. I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes. Uh, Cornerstone is the first stone laid uh, for a structure to be built, and every stone is laid in reference to that one stone. It's kind of like a guiding stone. So as builders are, are building this structure, they can look back over time and see, are we out of line with that guiding stone? Are we off target? Do we have to go back and take some things down? And not only that, as a guiding stone for the entire structure to be built, uh, it also can bear all the weight of the structure. Everything from the house rests on that structure, on that foundation. So not only does Jesus give us the blueprints for how the structure is built, he also bears all the weight of the structure. It is in him that we have everything in the house stands. It is in him alone. Only churches built off of Jesus will stand. Look at Matthew 16. This is when Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ. This is Jesus speaking. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to do something real quick in the, in the Greek. It's final seasons for my school. I'm going through Greek. I did one semester, so I should be able to teach everything on Greek. <laughs> What's happening here with the Greek word for, for uh, Peter is this stone, right? It's actually the word for it is like a smaller, smaller stone. And the next word for rock in the Greek is actually like a bedrock, a foundational boulder. So there's a separation there. Jesus isn't saying that on the church... Uh, Peter is the rock, the foundation. This is a Jake Sparknote version, but Jesus is saying, I'm the rock. I am the rock. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing will stand against the house of God that's built on Jesus Christ. We're still building. We see the foundation and the guide. But what does he choose for building the building? What does he choose for the structure? You can look at verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God chooses to use us as living stones to be built up together for his dwelling place. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I told you we're going to fly through some scripture this morning. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm just going to read it. We're flying through. Um, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The second half of that is beautiful because he's... He's quoting back from Isaiah, uh, it's 28.16, an Old Testament passage of the cornerstone. And who is that cornerstone? That is Jesus. That is Jesus. I I love pulling from the Old Testament and seeing how God just perfectly weaves the Scripture through into the Old Testament. And uh, it's just so rich. I grew up not a huge fan of the Old Testament. And uh, by the grace of God, the Lord's cleared my eyes a little bit. But uh, he's quoting the Old Testament here. So we are... Living stones, 
meant to be in community, built off of each other. You as a stone are not meant to be in isolation because nothing will be built with you in isolation. We are meant for uh, each other together. And uh, I know Nick touched on community groups last week. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but our community group started up this week. Anyone excited? Yeah. All right. Community groups start up this week. If you aren't in one, go online to our website. We have so many. We have some with Alexandria, Springfield, uh, Annandale as well. We have groups all over the place. Lorton, come on, yell it out. Come on now. There you go. Uh, so you see who the leaders are now. Um, find a group, join a group. If you have questions, ask one of the leaders, or you can email us at info at transit church. But moving on. I want to look at this verse again, and I don't want, want us to miss this. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Notice that? It is the Spirit of God that builds the house. It is the Holy Spirit that we can even read the plans correctly. It's the Spirit that guides us in the building. It's the spirit that reveals the cornerstone to us. It's the spirit that points us to the one whom everything is built off of. The spirit is mandatory for the house of God to be built, unless we want to labor in vain. Unless we want to labor in vain. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to reveal to us the correct plans to work from. Years ago, you probably heard my testimony before of I used to work at an ice rink, and that really didn't, uh, I couldn't really live off of that, surprisingly. And so I had to, I wanted to marry my middle school sweetheart, and I had to find a job. So I went into construction. I could barely drive a nail straight. Uh, but then I was in a position to make sure the job got done right and on time. So what could go wrong with that one? Um, <coughs> there were many problems along with that, with this job. It was a lower budget job. There were like 18 buildings that we were building, apartment buildings in Manassas. I won't name it in case somebody here lives there. <laughs> It's really great, built strong. Uh, yeah, don't worry about the foundation. Um, the problem was, as we were going through buildings, we're looking at plans, looking at plans, and we're looking at what we see has been built. So, all right, I see there's no wall here. There's a wall here. And I'm looking, I can touch this wall, but it's not supposed to be here. Or seeing a a wall that is supposed to be there, and it's not there, and it's just a big open room. There, there are things out of line. There were, it was a nightmare, and what we realized was there were so many updates and corrections and revisions to the b- original blueprint that that didn't get disseminated to anyone, pretty much, it seemed, that everyone was building off of the wrong set of plans. No one had the correct blueprint to build off of, and what it led to is mass chaos and confusion and lots of anger. Uh, not me, of course, but... Uh, <clears throat> We have to be clear of the one blueprint and only blueprint that the house of God is built off of, and that is his word. That is the only plan we look to. We do not update or revise it to fit how we want to feel. It is the word of God, and it will stand forever. That blueprint is the word of God. By his spirit, we can read and understand them. As we read, we see that the only way to build a church is magnifying Jesus, standing firm on the word of God, and letting the Spirit build the house. Letting the Spirit do the building. Getting out of the way. We aren't building. The Spirit is building for God. Getting out of the way of him. Point number three. We're great timing here. This is great. Uh, Look at the verse here. We're answering 
the why. We're going to answer the, the why here. And here at Transit, we encourage you to pay attention to the whole sermon. But if you haven't, that's fine. Uh, I know what it's like to sit in that chair too. So uh, I would just ask for you to really pay attention for this last point because I feel like this is all building to something that the Lord uh, wants us to see. Why the house is built. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are being built into dwelling places for ourselves. I think you're paying attention. We're not. <laughs> That's not what it said. That's not what it says. That was a test. Um, for God. The house that he's building is for him, not for ourselves. And, and don't get me wrong, there are so many benefits of being a member in the household of God and being used to be built up for that dwelling place. Don't get me wrong. And you've heard me preach on community and the beauty of God's design behind us as believers joining together as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And yeah, we benefit but I don't want to highlight that today because that's not necessarily what the scripture highlights. Today what the scripture points out is the house is God's house for God, built by God. <laughs> it's beautiful. <clears throat> so us gathering together is not to please ourselves but to be pleasing to him. We gather and worship the one Sunday mornings. What are we doing? Why are we gathering? Why are we gathering? to worship the one who picked us out, filled us with life, gave us a new heart, cleansed and purified us, has given us hope for all of eternity, why wouldn't we join together to worship him and give him everything? Because he's given us everything. We have brought nothing to the table, but he has brought everything. It is his house, and we worship him. As we, uh, I want to focus on verse 21 again. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. <clears throat> we know in the Old Testament, if you know this, that the, the temple is where the very presence of God was, right? You had to go to the temple for the presence of God. And the scripture right here is saying that we are being built up into a holy temple. That the creator of the, the world wants to dwell within us, wants to dwell with us. Does that not blow your mind? Isn't that amazing? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. shows this beautiful reality. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are actually temples of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of of God. And staying with this, uh, this has been, all been building towards something. We're going to uh, flip back to the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 47. I would like you to follow along in your Bibles. This is kind of a big chunk of, of Scripture, but I promise you we're, we're going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. Uh, we're going to walk through it together and, uh, yeah, enjoy the word of the Lord that he's given us. But Ezekiel 47, as you're turning there in your Bibles, this is what's happening. Ezekiel is having a vision. God is giving him a vision in this text that we're going to look at. And the title of it is A Water Flowing from the Temple. Again, Ezekiel's vision in the temple. This is what happens. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the north gate, 
and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on either, uh, out on the south side. So in the start of this vision Ezekiel is having, he doesn't name who it is, but there's like a guide walking with him in this. Who do you think that is? There's somebody walking with him in the temple, showing him around. It's almost like a contractor's walking around with a tape measure. He's measuring the temple. And as he's taking these measurements, the water starts to, to drop, starts to flow. There's water increasing in the temple. One commentator on the passage mentioned that the water at first seemed to be small in quantity, for the words imply that they oozed or dropped out. They were at first so small, but they came drop by drop, but then increased. And what we see is the water becomes so strong, so powerful, that Ezekiel has to be led back to the banks by the guide because he is over his head. He's swimming in this. This drop by drop has turned into a mighty rushing river of water from the temple. And this is what Ezekiel sees when the guide brings him back to the banks. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Everything will live where the river goes. We're, we're still moving along here. So bear with me. Look at uh, verse 12. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. They were fruit. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Catch that? The water flows from the sanctuary, and where it flows from brings healing and fruit. We're still going somewhere, I promise. Where the water flows from the sanctuary, life comes, healing and restoration comes, provision comes. We can look at uh, Revelation 22, also a little bit bigger of a text. You don't have to turn there. The title is The River of Life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12, uh, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Is that not a beautiful picture? Is that not bring you hope of what is to come? And this is how the book ends. This is Revelation 22. This is how the Bible ends. This is a beautiful picture. And you may say, okay, Jake, that's just a, a future hope, future reality. That's, uh, you know, that's great, but that's down there. Uh, yes, but there's so much more than that. There's so much more than that. <clears throat> When we see the river of life flowing from the throne of God, bringing healing to the nations. There is healing and restoration in the presence of God. 
there is joy and peace in the presence of God. Where his rivers flow, there is fullness and joy. We see this in, in the Old Testament, flipping to the end. But now I want to flip to the middle because if you're thinking, okay, that's just for a future reality. That's not for right now. Don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. We look at John chapter 7, verse 37 through 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. That is beautiful. And this is the tension that we have as we live in the uh, kingdom of God, the, the already but not yet, the hope of a future reality. But we have hope now through Jesus Christ and his presence bringing healing to the nations. We have hope right now. So when we see as members in the household of God where Jesus is the cornerstone, these living waters are to flow. These living waters are to flow. And notice the order of that process, as Jesus says in John 7, is first drink of me. First drink of me, and then rivers of living water will flow from your heart. We can't offer anything to anyone if we aren't first drinking of Jesus. If we aren't first going to him, seeking him, seeking his face daily, being filled with his waters, not YouTube or whatever else is filling our minds. We need to be filled with Jesus. We need a drink from him because there are people dying of thirst everywhere we go. And we can't give them any kind of life if we aren't full of rivers of living water. If we aren't full of Jesus, there will be no overflow to anyone else. So the household of God, his temple, is to have a flow of living waters, his presence. And that flow is just not to, meant to fill the temple. We see in the scripture that, yes, there's water in the temple, but what is it do? It's doing? It's flowing out. It's flowing out to the nations where healing is needed, where restoration is needed, where life is needed. That's where the waters are going. That's where the waters are going. There is a purpose behind it of Everything coming from the sanctuary, where it goes, healing goes. Where it goes, restoration goes. Where it goes, life goes. Where Jesus' presence is, life is. Restoration is. We can go even deeper with this as we look through the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit falls on believers and they start to prophesy and speak in tongues. And some crazy stories break out. We see the Apostle Paul going through and uh, miracles are breaking out. There's healings happening. There are, salvation is coming Demons are being cast out. Does that not sound like rivers of living water flowing through the sanctuary, through the temple? We shouldn't be surprised when we see healings, deliverances, and restoration because wherever those waters are flowing, there is power coming from that well. There is power coming from that well. And it's nothing of our own. We're just being filled up. It's nothing of our own doing. It's all from Jesus and his presence and his guiding by the Holy Spirit. I know there are many arguments out there uh, around this topic, and it's probably a good sermon for someone other than the intern. But I will tell you, I will tell you this because I'm sure one of the arguments is, well, the Spirit doesn't move like that anymore, Jake. It doesn't move like that anymore like it did in the Bible. And, and I would say... 
I'd ask you this question. It, it's a matter of, is there still water in the rock? Is there still water flowing from the temple? Because last I checked, I mean, who cut off the water? Because last I checked, people are still dying of thirst. People are still broken. People still need deliverance. So somebody cut off the water? Does that sound loving to you? And the deal with water, if you've ever been blessed with a leak in your home, it always flows to the lowest point. So when you're at your low point, broken, needing restoration, there's no end in sight. You don't know how you can get out of what you're in. That's where the water flows to. As long as we try to build the house of God with our high seats of pride and self-sufficiency, the waters won't flow. He will go where he is wanted and where he is needed. He's needed in both of those places, but he's not wanted there. He is wanted in the broken places. When we get low, the water floods in. It's the beauty of God. He won't force himself on anyone. That's what a loving relationship is. I didn't go up to my now wife, Sammy, and say, hey, I love you. You love me now. Let's get married. By the grace of God, somehow she loved me too. (laughs) But there's a beautiful, that is love. That is what the Father gives is a choice. There's nothing forced into it. But if you come to him, if you come to him and drink, rivers of living water will flow for eternity. There is hope and security in him and his love. You can trust him. You can trust him. Man, we made great time, folks. I'm fired up. I didn't expect that in my planning. Um, Yeah, Ben, you can start to make your way up. Um, I'm going to close with a passage from John chapter 4, the woman at the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Mm. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That is what Jesus offers. We can drink of Jesus of the living waters that only he offers. Only he offers. And we see the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans as this lady points out, like, hey, you shouldn't really be seen with me, around me. And the beautiful thing is Jesus offers to everyone rivers of living water, a cup to drink. There's a seat at his table for every one of you, but he's not going to force it, force it upon you. Drink of Jesus and what he is offering. So it doesn't matter how you look, how you sound, what you've done, even just this week, what you've done, if you're wrestling with shame of your actions, 
It doesn't matter where you've been, it just matters who is within, and that is Jesus, his very presence being within us. So may Jesus, our rock upon which we stand, be the overflow of our hearts to a world in desperate need of a drink. And we're gonna close with um, communion now. You can grab communion elements if you don't have them. They're right in the the hallway there. And um, I'm gonna let you take communion on your own time. But what we do with communion is, is Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. We're remembering Jesus. We're remembering where we once were and then Jesus came and changed everything. We're remembering him. We're remembering that this is a free gift, but we're remembering the cost that came with this gift. That blood was poured out. His body was broken for us. That was the cost that was paid by our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the gift we have. So we take communion in remembrance of him and what he has done for us. And you can just, uh, I'm going to close this in prayer and and. As the band finishes a couple songs, you can take communion on your own time. But just have, I want you to have a conversation with the Father and invite the Lord into whatever you're walking through right now. You can close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that the rivers of living water are still flowing, that you are still bringing healing and restoration and salvation to the lands. We praise your name, Lord, and we ask for more. We ask that you would flood the temple, that your presence would come, and we would be led by you. We would be guided by you. You would build the house. We would let you build the house, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives, Lord. And all we have done in our lives is brought our messy selves to the well. That is all we've done. That's all we've brought is our messy selves to the well. And you have offered a drink You've offered a drink of living water. We've brought nothing to the table, but here, drink of me. Rivers of living water will flow from you. That is what we have in Jesus. He's real and he loves you. And he's offering you a drink. He's offering you a drink. Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for what you have done. And we surrender this time to you. May you be magnified, Jesus. Would you restore joy of our salvation this morning that we wouldn't hold lightly our salvation. We would know the cost and we'd feel it in our hearts and your presence would flow from us. Wherever we go, rivers of living water would flow, that we would have an overflow of your goodness and what you're still doing. You are on the throne. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer, that your kingdom would break in And bring restoration, bring deliverance, bring healing as you always have as we see in your scriptures.